Welcome to Health Pulse Podcast. My name is Connor Delaney. I'm CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Today's an important episode on HPV, the human papillomavirus, and its association with head and neck cancer. HPV is the most common sexually transmitted disease in the US. Oral and head and neck cancer associated with HPV is on the rise. Young men and women are part of a growing trend of patients thought to have contracted this type of cancer from exposure to the human papillomavirus or HPV. My special guest for today is Dr. Brian Berkey. Brian is the Regional Institute Chair of Surgical Specialties for Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Prior to moving to Florida, Dr. Berkey served as Vice Chairman and Section Head of Head and Neck Surgery and Oncology at the Cleveland Clinic Head and Neck Institute in Ohio. Dr. Berkey came to the Cleveland Clinic after having spent almost 20 years at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, rising to be Professor of Otolaryngology and Vice Chairman within that department. Dr. Berkey has been an active member of the American Head and Neck Society, serving on the Educational Constitution and Bylaws Committees, and two terms on the Joint Council, as well as spending six years as Secretary, comprising over 16 years of service. Brian currently serves as Vice President of the Society. He also serves on the editorial board of multiple journals in the field of otolaryngology, and has lectured extensively educational and clinical subjects, both nationally and internationally. Thank you for joining us today, Brian, and for bringing your expertise from Ohio down to the sunny corners of Florida. Thanks so much, Connor. So, Brian, with new cases each year, HPV is increasing the epidemic of head and neck cancer. Most people don't really know much about this and don't even know what to do if they're infected with HPV. If the body can't fight the HPV naturally, it can linger and turn normal cells into abnormal cells and then subsequently into cancer. Can you tell us a little bit more about HPV and the, the virus itself? Yeah, and again, thanks for allowing me to join you, Connor. Um, this is an important topic because, as you mentioned, it's really right now almost epidemic in nature. Um, still, uh, less than 20,000 cases, or just right out about 20,000 cases per year in the U.S., but dramatically growing, and its importance continues to increase. The virus, as you said, is sexually transmitted, and it is a DNA virus. We hear a lot about viruses today with the coronavirus, but this is a DNA virus um, that seems to like squamous epithelium, that is the epithelium that lines the throat. Um, and the virus itself works by disabling the tumor suppressor genes in the body and thus allowing um, squamous cells that are somewhat abnormal to replicate and grow and eventually turn into cancer. The HPV virus sounds very scary, and it is, um, but the reality is there's over 200 subtypes of the HPV virus and only several five or so, um, are actually associated with cancer. Um, the rest are really associated just with very benign viral infections uh, or uh, warts. And so um, really the main three subtypes out of the over 200 
um, are 16, 18, and 31. And they're the, really the ones that potentially are causing this uh, rise in oropharyngeal cancer. A great explanation. As a colorectal surgeon, we sometimes see that too and see warts in, in certain areas that need to be treated and right. also have cancer risk. Um, uh, it's a little bit like polyps leading to colorectal cancer. But so this HPV in the mouth obviously leads to oropharyngeal cancer. So, so maybe you could explain to the audience what is an oropharyngeal cancer itself? Right. Well, the, there's uh, two areas of the body that are right next to each other and commonly confused. They're contiguous areas. So there's oral cavity cancers, which is mainly the tongue and the area underneath the tongue and around the teeth. And then there's oropharyngeal cancer, that is the part of the throat, the pharynx, that is behind the oral cavity. So we call those again oropharyngeal cancers, and that includes the tonsils, um, the base of tongue or the back of the tongue, the part that we can't see um, that is way back in our throat, the soft palate and the walls of the pharynx. Um, cancers there uh, are hard to see sometimes because it's not an area that you can see easily in the mirror or that even uh, people can see with a tongue blade many times. So um, they are, they can grow and and um, uh, enlarge to where they, they start causing problems. Um, interestingly, uh, when cancers develop there and they're, they're virally related, um, these are now the most uh, numerous HPV-related cancers in the U.S. So it used to be that you know, we think of cervical cancer in women as the most common HPV-related cancer in the U.S., but that's not true anymore. Um, it's actually these cancers in the back of the throat. Oh, I actually didn't realize that. And so then, obviously, these cancers can grow and they can cause symptoms and they can spread and they can be complex to treat. And we'll get into that, that in a moment. But so traditional factors, so this is a little bit different, as I said, this is the new wave. So traditional factors for head and neck cancers are smoking and drinking and maybe family history. Could you go through again, maybe a little more detail? So how does the HPV, you mentioned tumor suppressor genes, but maybe explain to the audience what that's actually doing to cell replication and how, how a normal cell then becomes a cancer. Well, so again, they're, they're, you know, this virus. So just very quickly, um, millions of people each year infected are infected with HPV. And again, the majority, over 90% of those infections are rapidly cleared by the body. Only about 10% or less become chronic infections. Um, but if those chronic infections are with one of these carcinogenic viruses, um, then there's about a 50% chance of those creating uh, a cancer. And so you can see why the number goes up uh, so dramatically. Um, the, the tumors, again, turn, turn off the tumor suppressor gene, or the viruses have uh, proteins that turn off the tumor suppressor genes. And so then these, um, these cells, the squamous cells that line the body, that, that line the tonsils and the throat, begin to replicate and thicken, um, and they become abnormal. Um, not always in the same way that uh, tumors caused by tobacco turn abnormal. So interestingly, you know, with uh, tobacco-related cancers, we see 
kind of many steps in precancerous changes. So we see what we call leukoplakia, white patches in the mouth that um, slowly develop and enlarge and thicken and then eventually turn into cancer. These seem to almost pop up right out of the blue. Uh, These the cells, once they're turned on, rapidly uh, form a cancer. Uh, and so, um, but these are very distinctly different than uh, tobacco-related cancers of the same area of the tonsils. So, um, you know, I'm a bit older, so um, for the major for the first 10 or 15 years of my practice, really all I saw were tobacco-related cancers, the oropharynx, tonsil, base of tongue cancer. Um, but even in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, I started seeing patients with a different type of tumor. These were patients that had small tumors, but big lymph nodes in their neck from spread of the tumor. And interestingly, you could almost see it was a different population. And this has held up to this day that they tended to be younger patients. So most tobacco related cancers occur in their 60s and 70s. These are now 40 and 50 year old men and women. Um, they tend to be non-smokers. And in fact, many times very healthy and you know very well to do with good socioeconomic status. So a totally different population of patients that now develop this tumor kind of out of nowhere from the HPV effects. Um, and so we, we noticed um, that, again, around the year 2000, that there were these patients that developed small tumors, big lymph nodes, and yet did remarkably well, much better long-term, much higher cure rates than those with tobacco-related cancers. Um, and so it was Dr. Gillison, actually, at that time um, at Ohio State University, who started testing these tumors and realizing that they had the HPV DNA within the DNA of the cells. And so then we started linking the two together. Um, and as that became really accepted around 2005 to 2010, we started doing research. And that's about the time I joined the Cleveland Clinic. And so we've published quite a bit now on this really new disease that that almost didn't exist before the year 2000 or so. It's amazing the way diseases and, and humans and interplay of viruses evolve over time. So you told us a little bit about where in the head and neck is most common, that it's at the back of the throat particularly. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the signs and symptoms that people might look out for. Obviously, it's a fairly silent area, but still there, must, there might be something that we can help people to, to be looking out for. Well, uh, there there are, and again, I, I kind of brought this up, but just to, to make the point stronger, the most common symptom that most patients come in and see me with is a new neck mass. Um, so um, I do always want to stress to our listeners that a neck mass, a new neck mass in an adult, um, over 40 in particular, is if it's persistent, um, it has a very high chance of being malignant, whether that be regular squamous cell or now, squamous cell related to HPV um, or lymphoma. Um, so neck masses, again, in adults are, should be evaluated, particularly if uh, persistent beyond two weeks. Um, so that's the most common symptom. That's these big lymph nodes in the side of the neck that, that we see. And then because of where it is in the back of the throat, the next group of symptoms is really patients will notice a sore throat um, or uh, trouble swallowing because these tumors can get um, just kind of almost, you know, they're, they're between the back of the tongue and the throat, so the food sticks there. 
Um, and then the last group of symptoms, which is less common, are sometimes patients will cough up blood um, because the tumors uh, bleed a little bit in the back of the throat. So coughing up blood or a change in voice. Um, again, uh, tumors in the back of the throat can uh, cause patients to have a little bit of what we call a hot potato voice. That is, you know, how you talk when you're, something's hot in your mouth and you're trying to you know, not let it touch your palate. Um, it's that same kind of a voice. So the hoarseness or change in voice um, is the next. So any of those symptoms really uh, can come from these tumors and should be should really be evaluated uh, rapidly. And Brian, is it more common in men or women particularly? Well, that's a great question. Um, and it really varies. In general, in the United States, it's more common in men than women, uh, about 60%, 40%. In Europe, interestingly, a little bit the other way, either even or a little bit more common in men than women. But I think in general, um, we we think of it as a little more common in men, particularly, again, in the U.S., um, but, but women have to be wary as well. You mentioned the prognosis is better than tobacco-related cancers, but what is the long-term prognosis for people with HPV-derived cancers since the head and neck? Right, and that's really the good news of all this. Um, if there is uh, good news ever around cancer, it's that these tumors that are virally related really are completely different than tobacco-related tumors. And our success rate at treating these, even advanced disease, um, uh, is very high. So again, 80 to 90% survival at five years, um, many times over 95% at two years. So these are numbers really that um, in the head and neck are kind of unheard of. Um, so, so again, a bit of good news. And it's always something I can tell patients when they come in, you know, with um, symptoms that are suggestive and findings that are suggestive, even though, you know, this isn't perfect news, um, it's still, there's great reason, you know, for hope and certainly a good reason to not put off care uh, and to get, uh, you know, this evaluated and treated. Absolutely. That's a very promising number, 95%. And are there things people can do to protect themselves from getting these? Um, while in the back of the throat, again, this oropharynx, um, tumors, uh, nowadays are more commonly virally related. Remember that smoking-related tumors are still uh, uh, present. And interestingly, marijuana uh, marijuana smoking is a little bit more closely linked with HPV-related disease than than not. Um, so, uh, so first of all, not smoking, not not uh, using chewing tobacco. Um, so avoid tobacco. I think that uh, is true of all head and neck cancer. Um, certainly safe sex practices. This is um, sexually transmitted and it does um, uh, revolve around oral sex. So multiple partners put you very, uh, at an increased risk for this. Um, so just safe sex practices. And then finally, and most importantly, is the vaccine, right? This is like the coronavirus now. <laughs> We have a vaccine that's worked for many years, right, for HPV. Uh, women know about this. It's only been in the last uh, couple of years, really, that we've made a push for, for the vaccination in men. Um, I remember when I first started lecturing on this in 2010 that uh, adolescent boys had a 2% vaccination rate, right? And, and uh, 
uh, adolescent girls about 50%. Now those numbers are about 60% both. So we're making progress, but 60%, as we know with the coronavirus now, is not a number that we love, right? We'd love to have it much higher. Um, this is much like in women, the HPV vaccine has uh, can provide women with almost complete protection against uh, cervical cancer. And we believe the same is probably true for oropharyngeal cancer. We don't have the data yet. But we know that, again, in men and women, um, the vaccine itself provides over 95% protection against HPV infection. So it, it's likely, again, that it prevents cancer. So what a great thing, right, to have a vaccine that prevents cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So vaccination and safe practices, that's important. And so with cervical cancer, obviously, it, there became screening for cervical cancer. Is there screening for oral HPV or oropharyngeal or, or cancers? There is a body the, uh, of the government, the United States Preventive Services Task Force, that that publishes uh, screening guidelines for different cancers uh, every year. And thus far, there really is no recommended screening uh, for uh, HPV. And the reason is it's still a small number. You'd have to screen you know, millions of people to pick up a few cases. Um, and so that's why. But certainly there's hope on the horizon. Um, there are some blood tests now that are developed looking at um, Antibodies against HPV that, um, if persistent, suggest a chronic infection, um, and then perhaps screening those patients. This is not done yet on a wide scale, but um, you know, in uh, studies, clinical trials, we're doing this, um, and so that might be the next step. You know, is for people when they go in for other tests, like for men, their their uh, PSA test, and you know. Um, if it's elevated, they start doing screening. Perhaps we'll do the same thing in the head and neck, uh, looking at um, HPV antibodies and and potentially you know seeing patients on a routine basis. But today, uh, no screening is recommended. Thank you for clarifying. So HPV is the most common sexually transmitted virus and infection in the U.S. HPV is the leading cause of oropharyngeal cancers. If you are diagnosed with HPV, please speak with your physician or healthcare provider to learn more about it and how to be treated properly. As you've heard, this is something that can be treated very effectively and people do very well. Thank you, Brian, for your time today and for sharing your knowledge about head and neck cancer and HPV. I very much appreciate it. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, it's enjoyable. To our listeners, to make an appointment with Dr. Berkey, please call 772-563-4673 or join us on my.clevelandclinic.org to learn more about our head and neck cancer program. Join us for our next episode here on the Health Pulse podcast.